Social emotional learning, it's the new wave. Where culturally responsive meets innovation. Hey, Resilient Ones. My name is Kristen Hopkins, founder of the Dangers of the My Education Fund and creator of Black SEL. I'm a social and emotional expert, curriculum developer, and social entrepreneur who believes in the holistic development of Black youth and adults through culturally responsive and affirming resources. Welcome to the Black SEO Podcast, formerly known as Dangers of the Mind. All right, let's get started because we got a jam-packed night and I am excited about this. I got my CT sister on the line with me tonight. What do we say? CT? CT. <laughs> 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 yes, so Shauna Brown is with us. I'm so excited about this. Uh, my name is Kristen Hopkins Vincent. I am the uh, executive director of the Dangers of the My Education Fund and the creator of Black SEL. Um, I'm very excited to have this conversation tonight. Um, I'll have a couple of house announcements, but before I do, I really just want to welcome you all. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, for this very necessary and insightful conversation on Black SEL plus Teach for the Culture, all right? Um, here at Black SEL, our mission is to reach, teach, and build a system of strong Black leaders that understand the importance of social and emotional learning and ways to sustain it and expose it in the Black communities. And so we aim to highlight and elevate the educators and the voices of African-American people and our allies in the social and emotional learning field. At Black SEL, we believe social and emotional learning will not be a trend in the Black community, but yet a sustainable practice to advance and heal people of color one community at a time. Uh, and Black SEL is SEL that's infused with a cultural lens that speaks to the lived experience is, is and needs of Black students and communities. So it's very important that we stress that Black SEL also acknowledges that Black students and families face a unique set of challenges related to racism, prejudice, and marginalization. And given the ongoing trauma um, that and stress that many Black students and families experience, these challenges can negatively impact uh, the students' academic performance and the overall social and emotional health, right? We want to make sure that our well-being is taken care of. So we want to increase our social emotional health in the Black community. That is one of our biggest goals. So just a couple of house announcements. Our second annual Black SEL Summit is happening and I'm really excited about it. Um, it's happening September 28th and 29th in Durham, North Carolina at North Carolina Central University. Um, and I believe our early bird tickets have definitely came and gone, uh, but we are currently still having tickets for sale. We're offering group rates to educators, as well as we still have sponsorship opportunity and vendor opportunities. So if you have a program or a product that speaks to Black children, and it's a social and emotional product, we would love to hear from you. We are also creating a database of Black SEL organizations uh, that we are going to be showcasing on our website. So if you know a program that is a Black-led, please share it with us. I'm very, very excited about uh, that catalog that will be coming out soon and hitting our website. And so this year's conference, we will talk about new trends in Black SEL 
uh, new research and how we propose to fill the gap and reach Black communities with SEL. So we are really excited because we um, have some research in. We've been doing a, a qualitative study for the year, and we are so excited to share all of our findings as well as our new framework and um, and all of our other, um, other things that we wanna share at the summit coming up. So we are looking forward to being there. Jamie will drop the chats in the, in, uh, the links in the chat and um, we will get started tonight. I'm really excited. Let me look at the chat real quick. I like to engage and I see all the stuff going on. All right, I'm a little nosy too. I need to see what's going on. <laughs> what's happening, okay. Um, like I see on social media, corner. okay, Kayla. Yeah, Kayla's on. Uh, so we're excited about that. It, yes, let me remind you, if anything resonates with your soul tonight, right? If you feel like, oh, that was a good quote or that was something good that I wanna talk about, or you just want to promote this and help us reach more black people and our allies, please um, at Black SEL Hub, also at Shauna Brown with Teach for the Culture. And we'll put the handles in there. Yep, they're already in there. Um, making sure that you all are sharing the work that we are doing and this much needed conversation. Uh, so I already talked about our vendors. We're looking for vendors. Last year, we awarded 12 Black leaders, y'all, uh, in social emotional learning field. And this year, we believe to do the same. So please, um, I think our I think our nominations are closed. I have been doing um, finalist interviews. But if you are like, I know somebody that deserves this, you know, and I just cannot like keep my mouth shut about this person, please email info at blackSEL.org, info at blackSEL.org, and we will um, make sure that we respond and check it out. All right. I'm really excited about those in the room tonight. If you're just joining, again, tell us where you are from. Tell us your, uh, your name, your organization, and why you are here. All right. So um, our speakers are already solidified. For our event and um we are good to go so i think i'm done with my house announcements because i'm i'm excited to sit back and really get into this uh conversation that our program coordinator francis lee will be moderating tonight um but i wanted to talk about really quickly we just had our black sel freedom school here in durham north carolina and you guys it, when i tell you it was so powerful to see so many black students that were just embracing SEL and were being vulnerable and transparent and just being in a space that they felt was for them, by them. Uh, we had eight women facilitators with us on as staff and the way that these kids, and if you see my eyes are a little puffy, y'all, I, I, I broke down crying earlier just before this call because of the fact that we need more spaces like this. We need more spaces where our babies can shine and they can talk about uh, social awareness and self-awareness and responsible decision-making and actually make it look real in their homes, like in their communities. So the conversations we heard tonight and, and throughout the last four days were just just something that I got so excited about. So I'm really happy that that is um, over, but I'm happy about the impact that we have just had and the things that we will be sharing at our conference. So without further ado, I'm on my 610 mark. So I'm going to uh, let, let Francis take the floor and we are ready to hear all about Miss Shauna Brown. Hi, everybody. Good evening. 
Um, so yeah, so just a couple of things. Um, we're gonna be talking about Black SEL and Teach for the Culture, but what we know so far is that according to a study that was done by John Hopkins University, Black students are 13% more likely to enter college if they've had at least one Black teacher by the third grade, and the likelihood of college enrollment more than doubles for Black students with at least two Black teachers in elementary school. Studies also show us that having Black teachers and support staff in school improves education for Black students because Black teachers are more likely to place our children in high-achieving Black students in programs for the gift students and they suspend at lower rates. And we also know that 80% of teachers being white an overwhelming majority of them do not live, do not shop, do not commune in the communities in which they teach. And just to kind of put into perspective for everybody how important and necessary and timely this conversation is, it was just announced today that the state of Florida the third largest state in the country has to include in their middle school black history curriculum that slavery was beneficial to the slaves and taught them life skills. If that's not mind boggling. So let's talk about it. As Kristen already stated, my name is Frances Lee. I am the program coordinator for Black SEL. I will also be your moderator for this evening. And we have a great conversation ahead. Um, I encourage you guys to jot down any questions you have. Please leave them in the chat. We are going to schedule out a couple of minutes at the end for any questions that you guys have um, so that Shauna can go ahead and address those. Um, again, this is Black SEL and Teach for the Culture. And without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest speaker for this evening. Shauna Brown is the owner and the founder of Teach for the Culture LLC, a global brand dedicated to supporting educators and organizations in creating more just, joyful, equitable, and uplifting learning experiences and environments where Black and Brown youth have the freedom to thrive. In addition to founding Teach for the Culture, the platform, in 2018, Shauna has served as an educator in the public education space for two decades in roles such as classroom teacher, instructional coach, district program coordinator, state consultant, and school administrator. She also had a wealth of experience as a curriculum designer, professional development lead, school climate specialist, and a mentor and coach to beginning and aspiring teachers. She's also helped lead and design an opening of the nationally top-ranked and award-winning six through 10 STEM magnet school. She's a proud graduate of Temple University with a BS in education and Columbia University with a master of science in urban education and policy. And if that is not enough, she is currently pursuing a doctorate degree. She's a proud mom of a teenage son and her greatest joy is witnessing the brilliance of black youth and helping young people to grow in their own gifts when realizing their potential. Shauna Brown, thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Francis, and thank you, Kristen, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, it was great hearing about the four days with the Freedom Schools, um, and welcome to all of you. Thank you for being here. Wonderful. So I'm actually, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in because we want to get as much information jam-packed into this conversation as we possibly can. Um, so your organization is called Teach for the Culture. So we're gonna start off from the very foundation. What is culture and why is it relevant to the way in which we teach our students? 
So culture to me is everything. It's, um, I think there's a difference between surface level culture and deep culture. Um, on the surface, culture may be the way someone dresses, the foods you eat, but on the deeper level, it's everything that we do. It's the way we interact, it's the things that are said and things are left unsaid. It's how we approach certain situations. It's, um, you know, how we respond to certain situations. It's in everything that we do. Um, and so culture for me, it's a very important in education. Um, there are, sorry, one second. I think within schools, it impacts the way we reach or do not reach students. It impacts, it impacts the way that we perceive situations happening or not perceive things happening. Um, so for example, most of my career, I was working you know, in the beginning of my career in mostly black schools. Um, about seven years ago, I moved into a new position in a new school with 99% white staff, um, but mostly students of color. And so when I would, you know, give presentations or speak, I would just see blank faces. And I'm like, are, you, are they hearing me? Are they not? Because culturally, in majority Black spaces, we respond different, even when someone is speaking, right? There's more of the, the, the call and response. Whereas in the mostly majority white spaces, it was very like silent, stoic, very you know pensive, but not expressive as we are. And so many people wouldn't look at that as like a, you know, a, or think of that as a cultural thing, but it is. It dictates and determines the way we operate um, how we, you know, respond against the things and how we interact. So I think what was the second part of the question, Francis? In the chat said, uh-oh, when you <laughs> when you said you transitioned into, uh, into that type of district where your students were black and majority of your coworkers were white. Um, so the question was, how is it relevant to the way we teach our students? And I think that you pretty much square that away. I mean, the the our cultural experiences, our learned, our learned environments is what we That's bring, right. is what, what our kids bring with them to the classroom. I'm actually going to take off my program coordinator hat right now, and I'm going to put that on, on my retired educator hat. Come on. This is a conversation that is really just, it's, it's near and dear to my heart because it really, there is a difference in the way our children learn and receive information. Um, so is teaching for the culture the same as culturally responsive teaching? So I would say no. So to me, culturally responsive teaching um, can be a strategy. Teach for the culture, in my context, is a way of life, right? It, it, it um, considers generations, it considers families, it considers the past, it considers where we're going to the future. It is a way of life, a way of being, a way of doing things, um, a way of looking at our students and ourselves, whereas culturally responsive teaching is responding, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are other elements to culturally responsive teaching, but it's a strategy for a lot of educators. And again, teach for the culture is a way of being and doing and living. It's a lifestyle. Um, with culturally responsive teaching, I think at some times, you know, especially with 80% of our um, teachers in this country being white teachers, sometimes they think they're doing culturally responsive, uh, responsive teaching, thinking that they're responding to what they perceive as the culture, right? 
So how can you do culturally responsive teaching if you don't really know or understand who and what you're responding to? And so they can say, oh, I'm doing culturally responsive teaching. I got up and I, and I did this jig, I did this. But no, like you have to understand the lived experiences and um, the mindset of yourself as well as the students in front of you um, in order to really truly be responsive. So again, I think Teach for the Culture, again, it's a lifestyle. Culture responsive teaching is a strategy for me. That reminds me of, um, and Kristen, feel free to chime in if you would like to, but when we would do our trainings for um, our staff trainings and Kristen would stand up in front of a room full of teachers and ask them, how many of you have actually kind of walked the parameters of the school, gone out of the school building and went a couple of blocks to the left, a couple of blocks to the right, and really see where our students are coming from? Um, because majority of you hop right on that, you know, the closest entrance to the highway and make your way back to your residence and really don't have an understanding of the community that you're really serving. And so, yes, it being a, a response, but, you know, when it comes from somebody who, lived or who embodies a similar background, it it really just, it's in them. It comes out of 100%. them. It's 100%. And learn, learn behaviors of, of your students. Um, so to piggyback off of that, why don't the same teaching approaches work for all of our students kind of across the board? Again, I think because, um, you know, with, with cultural differences, that that's one thing, but even before that, just individual students, right? You can have five people go to the same restaurant, for example, order from the same menu, sitting at the same table and have a completely different experience because everyone's different, right? I always like to use the example of a roller coaster. You could have three people that go on the same roller coaster, ride it together, their responses, their reactions, their experience, their feelings are all going to be totally different because they're different individuals. Um, but then when you layer that with culture, that adds another layer of, um, you know, how you're going to interact, how you're going to portray information, um, how students may respond to that information, um, what we perceive as engagement, what we perceive as um, who's disengaged, um, all of those things can be cultural. All those things, um, you know, show up differently. Um, and depending on the way that educator is looking at the students, um, their expectations of the student. Um, this is another, to me, a, a huge area. I think a lot of times, um, again, if we have a majority white staff that have never had any experience interacting with Black people, um, that don't understand the culture, the history, or the context um, from which they're coming through, they can have, you know, different kinds of expectations, right? It even, especially, you know, I've seen a lot of times low expectations of students. Um, even before meeting the student, they may say, okay, you know, I'm going into this city, I'm going to this school, I'm going to be working with these, quote, unquote, these students. And already before even meeting the students, sometimes they have lower expectations. And so, you know, a student could come in, um, they may be dressed a certain way, they may come in very expressive. And because of the low expectations and because of the bias and because of not understanding the culture, 
um, that teacher could have lower expectations for that student. They, they may not see them as brilliant. They may not see them as capable. And however they perceive students in the mind, that is how they end up treating students. And so having a better understanding of the culture and that individual student, where they're coming from, you're going to have higher expectations. Because if you are truly culturally responsive, if you're truly teaching for the culture, you are going to see the brilliance in Black children. You are going to see it. And sometimes, um, you know, other teachers may not see that or may not see that as readily. So. I'm going to go off script for a quick second. Yeah. <laughs> what would be, just because our retention, our teacher retention rate is so low right now. So if there's anybody who is um, on the webinar uh, watching us, is there one piece of advice that you could give to somebody who either is going in as a first year teacher or a second year teacher and or who is thinking about it, going into the world of academics or education? Um, because those are typically the jobs that are first and readily available. So what is one piece of advice that you might give to that aspiring teacher um, before walking into Whitney Houston Academy, Benjamin, Benjamin Banneker Academy, you know, one of those academic institutions where the reputation might precede it as maybe not on, um, not a more desirable location to work? I would say first is just knowing yourself. Um, if they're interested in going into teaching, into the classroom, why? Not just because it's, it may be a readily available um, opportunity or a job, but why? What makes you want to go into education? And then if you're choosing an urban school or a, a place that, um, you know, a school with, with, that doesn't have the best reputation, why do you want to go into that school? Are you going in because you believe, you know, you have the savior mentality and that, you know, you're going in to try to, try to have the students be more like you or to save students? Or are you going in um, to tap into the brilliance and the genius that is already there and to lift that and elevate that? So, again, it would be looking at yourself, taking a great inventory, doing archaeology of self, as Dr. Yolanda Seeley um, Ruiz talks about. Um, knowing who you are, knowing why you want to go in, and then going in and being yourself. Knowing that you don't know everything, you have to go in with a curious and scientific mind. You're going in to learn and not just teach. Because if you're going in only to teach and you're not trying to learn, then you're not teaching. You have to go in with the mindset of continual and ongoing learning. You're learning the students, you're learning the neighborhood, you're learning the families, um, you're learning more about yourself um, all before you go into teaching. And so I would encourage them though, yes, it's to me, um, the education field is one of the most, um, you know, gratifying, it's rewarding. Um, as you know, as a person, I've been in education for 20 years, and the the best the best thing for me is seeing students now that I taught years ago, and them coming back and telling me what they remembered, what the experience was like in the classroom, and just that connection is lifelong bonds. Um, so just you know, being yourself, being willing, being sorry, being willing to um, learn and be an ongoing and lifelong learner, knowing that you don't know everything, you don't have all the facts, you don't know. Um, you know, it's just so much more to learn. 
And so if you go in with that more humble mindset, yes, you have to be confident and, and competent, but also humble to know that you don't know everything and you don't have all the answers and that each day is going to be different. Each um, year is going to be different. Um, but go in with that intention of what you're there to do and not to be a savior. So I like that. I like that. And yes, Dean, I said Whitney Houston Academy. I'm from Essex County, New Jersey, and we have a Whitney Houston Academy. <laughs> But that was so good, Shauna. Now, we know how impactful, we know how impactful social emotional learning can be. Um, how can educators, because everybody knows when you are in the classroom, the last thing you want to do is add an additional curriculum, study, anything else onto your plate of list of things to do. So how can educators incorporate SEL learning kind of into their everyday classroom practices? Yeah, and I think if we go back to, to you know, Black teaching traditions and even before um, coming to this country, um, our traditions in Africa as Black people, SEL has been something that's always been embedded in what we do and how we teach, how we engage, and how we interact, whether that be through storytelling, through um, on the, you know, on-site learning of how to communicate and how to interact. SEL has always been a part of our tradition and a part of what we do as Black people. Um, I think, you know, more recently, it's it's gotten kind of its own lane, I would say, of course. Um, we've been more intentional, I think, in schools about making sure that we incorporate SEL. Um, a lot of that is because some teachers did not see it as something that they had to incorporate. Many educators did not see it, and some still do not see it as something that goes along with teaching the child. They just think, you know, oh, I'm a math teacher. I'm going to only teach math. I'm a science teacher. I'm only teaching science. I'm not going to touch on all that. You know, they think it's like touchy-feely stuff. And so schools now have been more intentional about incorporating SEL, making sure that we have designated times, programs, or spaces for incorporating SEL. Um, but as Black people in the Black teaching tradition, that has always been something that we have done, that we have focused on, because we know education is not just about um, learning two plus two, right? We know that education is also connected to liberation. It's also connected to advancement of our people. It's also connected to everything that we're going to do, to do in life. And you have to have those SEL skills embedded um, that SEL has to be a part if we're working with young children. Um, it's part of their learning, right? It's, yes, it's social emotional, but we're teaching humans. We're not teaching robots. We're not programming bots, right? And so because of that, we do have to teach in a more holistic way. We do have to incorporate social emotional learning. Um, and again, we're not looking to just have our students memorize facts but we want to give them skills for life, how they're going to interact, how they're going to proceed, how they're going to get ahead in life. And so all of that to me is, is definitely connected. What was the second part of your question, Francis? Because I keep... How can, how can teachers incorporate that when they're teaching math, social studies, reading? How can they, on their own, kind of tie in different SEL skills um, so that it doesn't feel like, uh, in addition to, it just feels like part of their reading lesson. Yeah, so I think um, one is through having, sometimes having conversations and discussions, right? Taking moments as teachable moments and unpacking them together, 
with the class. Unpacking could look like, okay, this situation is happening right now in the world. This thing happened in school. This thing happened. We heard about this thing on the news. Let's unpack it together. And through that, they're going to become more aware of what's going on around them, also aware of um, how interactions um, can impact relationships. They're going to learn how to communicate better. They're going to um, you know, understand about feelings and how their emotions may um, you know, impact what they're doing in that moment or how they may impact what they're doing, you know, in the future. So just making sure that, um, you know, you're talking to students, you're having those discussions in class. I know a lot of schools, um, they have a special section, you know, in the morning where they have like a circle time or something like that, but incorporating those things throughout the day, not just having moments to, to kind of stop and reflect and help students reflect just during that designated time but ongoing and throughout the day. Um, one way, I, I love to use storytelling. Um, and that's just, you know, basically sharing something that may have happened or, or just taking like those teachable moments to really talk through um, situations and, and have students talk through situations and share how they're feeling, right? Um, so also just like teaching them how to support one another. It's something that we don't think of as of having to teach students, but you actually have to cultivate that in the classroom. You actually have to tell students and model for students what that support looks like for other students. Students at the board working on a math problem. It's, it's tough. It's hard. It's difficult. In that moment, it's teaching other students how to help. Can you chip in? Can you, um, you know, just supporting them? When, they, when they're going through the struggle or the process of whatever it is. Um, and so showing them what it looks like to uplift, what it looks like to clap it up for the students. And it, at the house, it feels or sounds so grandiose. And it really right. is oftentimes something as small as acknowledging someone's feeling, giving someone an opportunity to speak or to be heard. Um, and we overlook that because we feel like it needs to be a curriculum that is followed, you know, directed through Castle. And, and oftentimes yes. it really just is dialogue and, and creating a safe space where the children feel like, OK, I can get this off my chest and I feel heard. And now I feel better. Um, just That's kind right. of acknowledging what those feelings are um, from my experience. <laughs> I know that there are a lot of schools, especially post-COVID who have created um, SEL rooms, curriculum, instruction time, um, but don't actually utilize that for what it's designated for. Um, so we know that teaching requires cultural intelligence, but for educators who don't receive the adequate training or support um, in their district, what can they do to make sure that they're knowledgeable about the needs of their students if that SEL time is, they're not actually prepared adequately for that SEL space that they're uh, kind of checking a box off for. Yeah, and it's definitely a mindset. To me, like if you are a teacher that, that focuses on or that acknowledges the need for SEL, it starts with the mindset. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, as you mentioned, a lot of you know schools say, okay, this is the SEL space. But for some, SEL may mean, oh, that's a space, that's the ISS, 
That's the inside suspension space. That's the space to go to be punished. And it's all about pushing them out, out, out. And so to me, you have to, um, you know, you start with the mind, start with understanding how SEL um, manifests, how SEL teaching and learning manifests within schools and within yourself before trying to go and, you know, implement it somewhere else. (laughs) And if we even just think of the word like implementing SEL, what does that mean? Like in your house, with your family, do you implement SEL or do you just interact and grow together, apologize when you need to, communicate when you need to? It should be something that is, you know, kind of the way of life. And so for teachers who do not have that kind of like cultural background or the training around it, um, to me, part of that is like a leadership thing as well as the responsibility of the um, educator. But it goes back to knowing that you don't have all the answers, knowing that um, you still have a lot to learn. And as a leader of a school, it's ensuring that um, you are also, number one, modeling those skills and those competencies, and then making sure that your staff have ample opportunity to um, you know, receive training as well as experience it. Um, a lot of times, you know, some people like, okay, just put a hand up if you have worked in a school on a team, please. Anyone here? Okay. So, you know, if you have your hand up, if you had your hand up, you already know how sometimes even working on a team with adults who don't necessarily have um, the social and emotional intelligence that we would like, how difficult that can be. And many of us have seen also adults who are still working on those SEL skills and how that impacts their interactions with children. And so we have to know that, we have to understand that. Um, as a leader, you also have to know that and understand that so that you can improve those connections and those relationships. Um, Cause sometimes to be honest, like when, when adults send kids out of the room or when they're frustrated with them or when they go off on them, that's not the kid's problem. It's really not coming from the kid. That's self-regulation most of the time as for the adult. So those skills are essential. Um, if we're gonna you know, develop strong relationships with students, um, and have students, you know, be able to perform at their optimum levels. Um, so that has to be like the at the foundation. So. And it's a muscle. So that's right. <laughs> any any educator, right. if you fell off the wagon this month or last month or at the end of school, just know it's a muscle. It, it is something right. that needs to be worked on. <laughs> you got to keep that tool sharp. Um, <laughs> That's so good, though. It, it really is. It is very difficult when you're dealing with uh, coworkers, peers, um, other teachers who who also lack those SEL skills. And the most effective way that I personally have found is just as you said, is to model those behaviors, because oftentimes I found it more successful, honestly, with the students than with with uh, the teachers. But the students will respond to you in the way in which you uh, in which you interact with them. And if you're modeling that behavior nine times out of ten, 
that's the type of uh, response that you're going to get from those students because they don't want to be uh, you know, sent out of the classroom. They don't want to be labeled as or have their reputation precede them. You know, they want to be able to have an engaging, interactive, feel-safe environment. Um, and so that definitely comes through with that modeled behavior. Um, what can educators do to make sure that they're incorporating a student's lived experiences into their teaching approach? Yeah, so I think... With that, it definitely starts with um, like learning your students. Going back to what I said earlier about being culturally responsive, um, some people without knowing what culturally responsive teaching really actually means, they think it's like responding to a culture that they believe or perceive to be there. You have to really get to know your students, families, and the communities on the deep cultural level. Right. And not just, um, you know, at the surface or what they perceive to be part of their culture. So getting to know the lived experience of your students is essential. And that can come through like getting to know them as individuals, having those conversations, not just about, you know, what's going to be on the test or, um, you know, the literary device in this story or this novel, but actually getting down and hearing from them and listening to them and making sure you're intentional about creating space to listen to your students to really and truly get to know them. Some of us, you know, at the beginning of the year, we, we send out a little survey and we say, okay, what's your favorite color? What do you like? And then that paper goes away for the rest of the year. But that's just a little, to me, that's like a, a, a warm up. It has to be ongoing. You have to really, truly get to know them by listening to them, learning from them, give them, giving them opportunities to teach you and not assuming anything about them. So, um, for example, I was talking to this uh, a young lady one time. She is about, you know, she's a child. She's like 16 years old, a black girl. And she had a lot of um, there are a lot of times she's getting into conflicts with people. And she would really, she had a hard time like self-regulating. So a lot of times she would just like blow up, right? Mm -hmm. But luckily I was one of the, the safe spaces for her in the school. So she felt like she was about to blow up. She comes to my office. We sit down, we talk. I listen to her. I get to, you know, learn more about her. And one day I asked her, I was like, okay, you know, some, she said she likes to listen to music sometimes. And I said, so what do you listen to, to calm down? Um, and I assumed, you know, here I am, a Black woman talking to an, another Black um, girl. And I assumed she was going to say a certain type of music. And what she told me, she said, Japanese flute music. And I was like, <laughs> I never forgot that. Because in that moment, I said to myself, she said, Japanese flute music. And she was my girl, you know, she, you know, the long braids, the very, you know, out here, <laughs> out here. And I had to stop. And I was like, oh my gosh, here I am thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm this person who's, um, you know, teaching to the lived experiences of students and this and this and that. All connected. <laughs> unless you listen, unless you listen. So it took me just sitting there and asking her the question and then listening and being willing to learn, to learn that. Otherwise I would have never known because I, I may have assumed. Right. So, and those are those so, yeah. moments that make you really do a little self-reflection and be like, okay, hold on. That's <laughs> let it. Me, 
let me reevaluate my relationship with these kids and then take it a step further it's like okay now let me go learn more about it all right, right. what is Japanese music all right where do you found it where do you where do you download it um and then being able to like circle back to that when I need to with that student. So it's learning about them and not just like holding it, but actually like circling back to it, bringing it back up, building those connections around the things that they say that they like or they enjoy or a part of their lived experiences. And those are just those tiny little like itsy bitsy things that just kind of the building blocks with the relationship building with these kids. I mean, she'll probably, there's there's probably no other teacher in that school that has any idea that that's the type of music when they're like, right. take off your AirPods and she, she's over there relaxing. That's down, right, to have Japanese, Japanese flute music. That's right. right. That's right. And she she invited me, like that. she was a kid who was hard to get along with people. She invited me to her 16th birthday party. She's like, I want hey. you to come to my birthday party, <laughs> you know? So. And those things are so important. Important. It's so important to build that trust and that relationship uh, because, you know, more times than not, when you can build that with the kid, all of the behavioral stuff kind of like works itself out, you know, because they don't have to be that way. They can take down their armor in front of you. And if you are that one person in the entire school building who can get through to them, you know, that's that that's enough. Having at least one ally in the building is enough. Um, now, I want to go deep for just a second because we are in some really trying times. Um, I'm sure all of you guys have been watching the news over the past six months. Um, so we know that there's a lot of proposed legislation at stake um, in certain states that are banning certain content, certain curriculum for being taught to our kids. And it's going to affect it's going to affect our kids, but it's really going to affect all of the students. That's right. Um, because it's just inaccurate, misleading, untruths. And so the content is unfortunately tied directly into the historical foundation of our students. How do you think that that is going to affect their academic growth? So I think, so first of all, sorry, my screen just went off. Um, so first of all, <laughs> I know it's a lot it's, it's just crazy so for, it, it, it's really a war on um the black psyche to me um not just you know it's not only about curriculum it's not only about um you know having a chance to to be equitably educated but it's really an attack on our psyche and on black children it's telling them that um, you know, they're not enough. I, I I remember the quote from the Florida governor back in February when when the whole issue was around the um, African American Studies AP curriculum, and he said it lacks educational value. To me, when you attack someone's culture like that, when you attack someone's humanity in that way. It's an attack on the psyche and not just the curriculum. Um, and it's, you know, bigger to me than just a, a political move. But it also speaks to me to the, to, to the need for us as community members, as um, parents, um, as people of the global majority, 
to make sure that we are taking care of our own kids. We are not leaving it up to the schools alone to do it. Um, but we're building community. I know Kristen talked earlier about the, the freedom schools that, oops, sorry, to make sure that we're doing things like that, having those spaces, creating those spaces where we can teach each other and teach our children and take care of our children in that way. Because we can't, unfortunately, um, I mean, we can't leave it up to the schools. It's never been um, something that they've been great at, even before, you know, the, the last six months and with the recent um, political climate, they've never really, I'm gonna say post-Brown, 1954, they've never really had the best interest of black children at heart um, and so we always have to just continue to do our part to me. So I'm sorry, my screen is that's okay. I am um, you know, I'm I'm slightly fearful that and and not just our kids, not just black and brown students, that's but right. students at all as a whole are just going to be so uninformed about the foundation in which this country was built on that when they do get, you know to universities or out into the real world where they are with students who are in other states where this material is being taught and they are taking these, have access to, to these books or this these AP courses that they're just going to be unprepared for, um, for what's to come. Um, That's right. So and we're gonna kind of continue to see what we've been seeing. Um, right. If they're not prepared, if they're not knowledgeable, um, if they are not, you know, quote unquote, woke, if they don't have um, an understanding of how the country was founded, how it was built, um, the impacts, the lasting impacts that the legacy of um, 400 years of, you know, enslavement and then Jim Crow and segregation and all of that, if they're not knowledgeable about that, all of our students, all of our young people, um, it's going to continue to perpetuate the, the same um, vicious cycle. So it's, you know, it's critical to me. And it's critical to me also for our children to, for Black children to have a knowledge of self, right? To have a knowledge of where they come from. And so that you're able to stand on that knowledge. You're able to be more confident in yourself. You're able to definitely, you know, go for it. That's why I give shout outs to HBCUs all the time, because that is one of those spaces where, um, you know, you see young people coming out of HBCUs confident and ready because they've had that foundation. So now mm -hmm. they're able to, to take on and go into spaces more confidently. You're not going to have people just telling you any old thing about yourself because you already know yourself. And so to me, you know, those kinds of spaces, um, spaces we create within the community, um, whether they be, you know, religious-based spaces, community-based spaces, um, we have to continue to to you know, pour into our children that they may not get it in school and to give them the knowledge of self and history so they understand how to move throughout the world as well. And support our teachers and administrators who are willing to yes. go out on a limb and provide our kids with those resources, even when they are receiving backlash from parents or pushback from districts um, about providing those kids with, with that type of information. Our teachers, our allies, our administrators, um, we really do have to stand in solidarity right now because it is crucial to the academic growth of our kids. Um, so just to kind of parallel off of that, what steps can we take when we are receiving pushback from districts 
or parents who kind of understand social emotional learning and refer to it as critical race theory or transformative SEL, some you know, some some coined words that just kind of make everything look all another than what it is. Yeah. So it's I to me it's both organize and educate. Um, we have to be able to have like build these kinds of coalitions, be in community with others, and also educate um people on what exactly it is. We have to kind of get in front of it because a lot of people, sadly nowadays, a lot of people don't read. <laughs> Or they read, they don't, um, they're not like comprehending. They're, they're taking little sound bites from here and there, little clips from here and there, and just repeating what other people have said or told them. And so kind of getting in front of it to make sure that our people are educated, um, you know, parents and families within schools, and also organizing coalitions like that so that when they're pushing back, it's not just on one person. If you're pushing back on one person, that person can fall more easily. If you're standing hand in hand with hundreds of people, you're not going to be able to push them around or push them over. Um, and also becoming politically active as well, um, understanding where these laws are coming from, who is um, making the, the, you know, the legislation, and being able to make sure that we have a voice in that as well. And so we're not just blindsided by these, by these things kind of coming out at us. Yeah, there's certainly power in numbers. And please, to our audience, don't believe us. Do your research, read, look it up. You will find out for yourself that these are laws and legislation that are currently being passed. And it is something um, that we all need to be aware of. Um, so last but not least, Speech for the Culture has over 75,000 followers on Instagram. What was your goal transitioning out of the academic teaching space and creating this platform? So I actually started it um, still when I was in the academic and teaching space. I started Teach for the Culture back in 2018 um, with Joy as a foundation. And so my first, one of my very first quotes back in June of 2018 was joy and learning must coexist. It's something that I truly believe in. And it was all about um, looking at the joys of teaching and learning and connecting and building with community, especially with um, you know, Black educators, um, and other educators of color, um, the, it, it was never to like gain followers. In fact, in 2020, when more people just started like jumping on and coming on in the wake of the pandemic and everything else, I'm like, where are all these people coming from? Like, why are you here? I'm just out here. And literally, like, I'll put a post like that. Like, why are you here? It was about, for me, connecting and building community. I know in some spaces, um, you know, across the nation, Black educators, we make up just under 7% of all teachers nationwide. And so for me, you know, in some schools, it may be one of you, it may be none, it may be two, it may be three, but there was a feeling of isolation and, and I wanted to create a space for people to kind of come together and celebrate celebrate Black culture, to be in a space where you're not isolated and to focus on our authenticity and joy. Well, you got lots of likes now, Ms. Brown. <laughs> I want to thank you so much, Shauna, for joining us tonight. And for all of you guys to learn more about Shauna, the amazing work that she does, um, her content is informative. Her content is inspiring. Um, and make sure you guys check out her website at teachfortheculture.com. Um, show your support, purchase her apparel, 
It is designed to spread messages of joy, affirmation, love, and liberation through the expression of fashion, and it's cute. And to stay up to date on all things Teach for the Culture, sign up for the newsletter, put your email address in there. You'll get all of the updates on everything you need to know. Make sure that you guys follow her on Instagram at Teach for the Culture as well. I do want to quick take a quick second before we get to any questions in the chat. Um, we do have a Black SEL Collective member that we would like to highlight this evening. Um, her name is Sintasha Allen, and she is the program coordinator for New Visions for Public Schools. So, Sintasha, thank you for being a Black SEL Collective member. We highlight you this evening. Thank you so much. A reminder of a couple of our house announcements, which will be our Black SEL Summit coming up in September. We are also looking for... Um, if you want to submit your application to uh, participate as a vendor or to participate as a speaker, those two things are still available as an option. Our next webinar is going to take place in August. Make sure that you follow us at Black SEL Hub on Instagram. I will also be sending out tons of reminders to let you guys know when, where, and how to register. Um, this has been an incredible turnout. I, um, I, I took some notes and one of my notes that I have, or I have a whole bunch of notes, but a couple of them says, if you are not learning, you are not teaching, right? And we, we saw some people put that in and knowing and setting intentions is very important. And yes, students bring their cultures to the classroom. So we always have to remember that. And of course, Adele SEL is very critical. I was smiling because I remember a time in 2019, where we created um, from from my educational consultant firm, we created something called Less Talk, More SEL, and we were so intentional about making sure that we reached parents. So we were going to urban districts and training Black parents on social and emotional learning because what we saw was that it wasn't sustained because it would be like they would learn it, and it, even if they did learn it, if it was culturally responsive enough or culturally affirming enough for them to learn the social emotional learning, because that's a whole nother conversation. But if it was then they would go home and they would go into these environments where mama didn't know SEL, daddy didn't speak SEL, and it's about the language. And so we're pushing each other to use the language and make sure that us as adults use our social, this is our social responsibility. If you don't know it, it is our social responsibility right now, this day and age, to model these skills with intention and to speak to the language of these skills so kids know when they are being socially aware, when they are self-aware. Um, and so it's really important. And then you said something about building those connections around their lived experience. You know us at Black SEL, we believe in the lived experiences, okay? We believe that we have to protect our Black children's lived experiences. They are valuable. They are unique. And we, may, we need to allow, always affirm them of that. And then the psychological warfare that we're in and that's being pushed on us was so good. I was doing the snaps over here, you know, because I think that was so good. And then also one of the things that really just had me like, put, like, wow, I had, to, I had to pull up something is the organizing and educating because it reminded me of the the eager, um, ethos hackers. Have you ever heard of the hackers ethos? And it talked about the five transformative teaching characteristics. So I just want to run those out real quick. It talks about collective work. So educators with a system or community to hack systems is the collective work of educators in open and public engagements. Teachers sharing ideas and work in public spaces and giving opportunity for feedback and opinions. 
needs. Number three is intentional system uh, syst uh, systemic approaches. Teachers understanding where social power lives and seeks opportunity to challenge or threaten the system. And four is producer orientation. Teachers engage in rethinking and reproducing the way systems are designed. And then five is use of adjective tools is teacher develop tools for collaborative or collaboration in public work. And so when we think about organizing and we think about this work, we want to think about this hacker's ethos. How do we transform our teaching through these five principles? But I just want to expound on that. But this has been so good for my soul. If I um, want to write, want your voice to be heard, you are in the field uh, of SEL. You want to speak specifically to Black children and Black families. We are opening up our blog to be able to accept folks to write in. Um, we are getting 2,000 views to our website a week. And so it is important that we share our voices. We elevate the voices of, uh, of Black people and allies that are in this work, that believe in this work. So if you are interested, please email info at BlackSEL.org as well um, to, to be able to be featured. I found Shauna's email address right on her Instagram. So you want to know how you can connect with her directly? I sent her an email straight through there and she was very responsive. So you can find her information at Teach for the Culture um, on Instagram or on her website at teachfortheculture.com. That's right. Yep. My email's on there. And, and again, it's teachfortheculture.com is my website. So we hope that you got something from today's webinar and um, look out for our, our all of our contact that we'll be sending you guys um, to look out for our next webinar in August. Other than that, thank you guys so much for joining us, Shauna. It has been a delight. Thank you for dropping so many gems on us. And thank you for having me. And thank you, Kristen and Francis, for all of the work you do with Black SEL. You are making a difference. I'm looking forward to your um, conference in the fall. And thank you, everyone, again, for taking the time to come on here. Um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out if you'd like. And thank you for, for your time this evening. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys. See you next time.